0: Hello, I'm Simit Bose. Welcome to this week's Net Hero podcast. Well, if you've been trying to get a flight lately, good luck. There's been chaos at the airports and everyone's blaming everyone. But it really shows you what's happened. After the pandemic, what I thought was going to happen has happened. People want to fly and many thought that this was the end of flight. They laid off so many staff because people said, well, people don't want to fly anymore, staycation's the way, but it's not the way you know people still want to get away and why shouldn't they but the question is how do we make aviation more efficient now you could clearly say we've got a problem right now of just getting people bums on seats and getting the planes off but there's a wider picture there's a wider picture of how sustainable aviation can be what will it do in terms of cutting its footprint how do we make sure we take the flights we should take and is there ways that actually we could run airports and planes to be better, to be cleaner, and reduce the impact that they're having. Just to put it in context, it's not massive, but it's significant. 2% around, 2% of all human carbon dioxide emissions is the aviation industry. But it's one that's very kind of in your face. You know, we see planes in the sky. We can see the trails, they look great, but that's fuel, right? That's stuff coming out of these things that isn't great. If you've ever been near a a plane when it's fueling up, it it stinks. And people have talked about where this fuel is coming from and what we're going to do about it. So in this podcast, we're going to discuss where we might be going in aviation and how digitizing, digitalization could be a key part of getting us more to net zero. I'm delighted that joining me to discuss this topic today is Raj Singh, Director of Industrial and Business Consulting for Dassault Systems. Raj, Good to have you on the NetHero podcast.
1: Absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you, Sumit.
0: Um, first of all, just explain what Dassault Systems is for our audience. You know, what sort of company is it? What do you do? Uh,
1: absolutely. So Dassault Systems is a global business software company. Um, we are, had, have been industry leaders in this space for uh, the past many years and decades. Uh, Dasso Systems started its journey focusing on 3D design in 1981. And in 1989, uh, we did the 3D digital mockup of the Boeing 777. And for the last 40 years, we've led the renaissance, the industrial renaissance in this space, starting with 3D PLM, uh, Product Lifecycle Management in 1999, And then in the 2000s and the 2010s, uh, focusing on what we call the 3D experience platform, which is an end-to-end collaboration platform that can be used across different parts of an organization from design, simulation, engineering, manufacturing, all the way through to the supply chain. And where we are now, uh, for the past few years, we've been focusing on what we call the virtual twin experience, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that. Uh, in more detail as we go through this podcast. Yeah, today. so
0: so you work with the aviation sector, is that right? So you talked about, so are you sort of, you know, as a company, is your history in looking at how planes are designed to make it more aerodynamic or, or what do you do?
1: So aerospace and defence is one of the industries we serve and we, we pretty much serve 12 industries going from aerospace and defence, automotive, marine and offshore, through to high-tech and consumer products, retail uh, as well. In these industries, we have a history of supporting our clients in digital technology, enabling sustainable innovation and business improvement. And we do this also in complex safety critical industries, such as aerospace and defense and healthcare as well. And the aim here is to reduce the number of physical tests on new aircraft programs, for example, by using simulation or yeah. helping our clients reduce waste in the supply chain through manufacturing, and a and, and new thinking of technology and complexity, and bring these efficiency improvements over the years.
0: So the idea, in a way, is, is a little bit, is a bit like the matrix, isn't it, really? So you, you build something, you build a system, whether it's a plane, or whatever the hell it is, and you look at it, and then you, you try out how it would work in, in the real world. Is that roughly what what we're looking at? Because you're, you're combining things like, obviously, the maths and physics, but you're looking at, kind of perhaps how people would interact or things would react with it. So there's an element of of sort of biology and chemistry in it as well.
1: The, The simplest way to explain it, I would say, is that virtual twins help model and simulate the life cycle of a complex product or a complex system of system. And bringing the sustainability discussion into this, it helps reduce waste, helps reduce energy consumption, helps reduce raw material that we need, Help reduce the amount of time and costs that go into the into the complex life cycle of a product, and it helps companies with the sustainability practices. Helps with you know customer satisfaction. Helps with the improvement in the passenger experience. So, it, it I wouldn't say it's as simple as maybe you know just making a virtual twin of one product. It's pretty much the entire life cycle uh, and the entire the the complex systems that go together to build you know a complex airplane or. Or sustainable aviation model.
0: What's going on in the world of aviation right now? Because we, we report regularly on, you know, planes are being designed better. We've got this thing in this country called Jet Zero, which is a kind of amalgamation of supply companies, fuel companies, manufacturers looking to try and reduce. We've got the sort of uh, growth in SAF, as they call it, sustainable Sustainable aviation fuel. So just just for the listeners, put into context where where planes are, because there is this thing, people always complain environmentalists will be, you know, in a lot of ways justified in saying, you know, the air aviation industry is dirty, it's a very dirty industry. What's your take on it?
1: So there's this quite quite a bit there to cover, Sumit. So, so firstly, you know, aviation does need a sustainability revolution. I mean, we look at figures from 2019, 2020, circa 2 to 3% of global CO2 emissions uh, came from this industry. And while other polluting industries are aiming to reduce their emissions, with the demand in aviation going up, which you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, it's very yeah, clear yeah. that these emissions are going, are going to increase, possibly into double-digit levels uh, quite soon. And obviously, we, we are aware of the Paris targets. We were aware of the science-based target initiatives uh, that companies and countries are uh, are heading towards. But we know decarbonizing aviation is on the agenda of every executive in the aerospace industry. Uh, you mentioned already the pandemic uh, and related disruptions. Uh, you've talked about how, how difficult it is getting a seat on the on, on the plane. So we're aware of the context and background. But that said, decarbonizing the future of flight is easier said than done. and we believe this is an ecosystems challenge. It's not about just the design or particular type of aircraft. It's an ecosystem or systems of systems challenge. Um, and it requires uh, investment into infrastructure. It requires investment into regulation. And while there's many different uh, possible technology levers uh, that we can look at, you, know, you, you mentioned, you know, hydrogen and electric aircraft. Yeah. And again, we will touch on, on some of these as, as we as we build on this discussion further. Uh, The the, the challenge is how do we industrialize these technologies and deliver them at scale. And to that end, I would just want to bring in uh, our recent report that we've commissioned in uh, conjunction with ADS and Roland Berger. So ADS is the number one UK trade association representing 1100 members. Roland Berger, our leading consultancy on sustainable uh, aviation and transition to zero and obviously here we're talking about Dassault systems as the leaders in business sustainability Europe's second largest software company and you know one of the leaders in the virtual twin experience so we came together and the aim of this white paper was how can digitalization accelerate decarbonization and we we all know about the what Sumit. we know the targets we know the challenges we know uh, you know the the issues are the the passengers are facing so how do we how do we sort this out so to focus on this now we looked at many technological levers We looked at how do we uh, industrialize some of these levers. Um, So we looked at operational infrastructure improvements. We looked at aircraft technology, electric, hydrogen. We looked at sustainable aviation fuels, or SAFs, which you've just mentioned. And we looked at market-based measures, including offsetting. And one thing was clear. The only way to decarbonize the industry is going to be through digitalization and virtual twins.
0: So explain that for me, sitting there. You can't, are you going to make a system up that says, here's what uh, Heathrow Airport will look like in 2030. Here's how many planes are going to come in, and this is what the kind of planes are going to be, and this is the fuel they're going to have. What, what, what would you be doing when you say digitalization You know, you could say you save money by doing designs and trying them out in that digital world. Uh, but in the end, it's a very you know, planes are going to be bloody safe. So people always want the things built and tested. So how how are you seeing, you said the answer is digitalization. Can you explain to me how you see that? Uh,
1: absolutely. So from, from our perspective, it's about providing a single source of truth. And many companies often struggle to realize this. And Dassault Systems have a collaborative platform, the 3D experience platform, that can be used, interrogated by different engineering functions, manufacturing, procurement, quality, finance. And we're trying to deliver a step change in how we develop and deliver and manufacture these products. Now, talking about the virtual twin and the virtual twin experience, the virtual twin data supports in-service activities to support and maintenance further downstream in the life cycle. But upstream, we can design, simulate, manufacture the actual product before its prototype is developed we can do all of this virtually and what it does is it helps create a virtual twin that can be the behaviors can be simulated we can do virtual validation we can do digital certification so you have a view of how this particular product or system will behave and will perform virtually before you even go and build before it. You, so yeah that, so that reduces the, the costs, it reduces the carbon emissions downstream and reduces the time to market.
0: give me an example of a product that you might be able to do this way to create this kind of ecosystem you So we've, we've worked with all,
1: pretty much all the large A&D companies out there, uh, including uh, Boeing and Airbus. Um, and we've done this on many large civil and defense programs. Uh, more recently, we are working with uh, the likes of Vertical Aerospace we're working with boom joby spirit aviation so that's on the aircraft side but also on the infrastructure side we are working with the likes of urban airport we're working with munich on the logistics side and we're also working with uh, new space uh, another example could be is lockheed martin so we've got very significant very deep experience and expertise uh, in this area across m- most large and programs
0: what was the okay let's 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 just take a step back so if i was gonna say build a new airport or build a new terminal what would i do now right now i'd probably have to look at the passenger numbers the flow of that and then you get an architect in to say let's do this and then you start making all the concrete and build the post and blah 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 off you go what would you do that would save emissions what would you be doing digitally that would say right so at your terminal actually you don't build it this way you build it this way and this is how we see it what what, what would you what would you do that would break up the cycle of how we've done things before
1: yeah so uh, it's pretty much all of the above so i think you'd start with a very clear uh, design of of your building of your terminal uh, you can you can do a full this is all digital high fidelity digital mock-up of, of of your entire infrastructure as it were and you can even simulate passenger flow you can simulate airflow. you can simulate the impact uh, a certain number uh, of activities Uh, Will have on that environment you're designing and you can you can run many different models and iterations and simulations uh, with the with the advancements in technology, you can do all of these simulations virtually and you can run successive uh, simulations to come up to an optimized outcome that you will end up using. And not only, we don't only stop there. So this can then be connected to the systems of systems. So how does this particular building or terminal interact with the, with the air vehicles? How does it interact with the services you need to provide? And we do this for the aerospace and industry through what we call the ISEs and the IPEs. So We have the industry solution experiences, depending on the part of the life cycle you want to focus on. And then we have the industry process experiences that drill down into the processes. And the the passenger experience and the end-to-end customer experience is also part of this model because we serve all the aspects of the aerospace and defence industry, not just aircraft.
0: Yeah, understood. So you could model me a terminal, for example, right? And you could say, actually, we're expecting this many people the loo, you need this many toilets, right? If the weather's bad, where will you put people? If there are delays, how would you plan it? If you've got more planes coming in, how long should the runway? You can do all of this in the digital space before you even lay, need to lay a single bit of concrete or put up a steel post.
1: Yes, so to, to substantiate on that, basically the virtual twin experience is helping provide that digital expression of the product or the industrial system with a full definition in the way it will behave and interact with the other system. So we're starting from the earliest planning and design stage of the life cycle, which you mentioned, all the way through to the manufacturing, the operation, the sustainment, and the disposal, including decommissioning. And this virtual twin enables aviation, in this case, to explore scenarios in a collaborative manner, predict future behaviors, and deliver the right solution at scale for the very first time. And to summarise, up, the virtual twin experience capability Accelerates this prototype testing. It could be an aircraft, it could be physical infrastructure by simulating and advancing the 3D design based on real-life scenarios, based on virtual testing, which the stakeholders can can use, validating and accurately predicting uh, performance well before production. And this way, you can obtain some critical validation right at the design stage, while reducing emissions, reducing costs and waste, and the use of very limited resources.
0: I get it, but here's my question to you. How accurate is this thing you're making, right? And actually before that, you've got to explain to me, Raj, what it looks like. So I get get the feeling this is gonna look like some bunch of, as I said, matrix code. Does it look like, an airport, you see a picture of it and you have little people. Can you give us a description, because this is radio, how these digital twins actually look? Or is it just a bunch of numbers like a spreadsheet? And if you know what it means, you know what it means.
1: No, absolutely, absolutely not. It's not spreadsheet and it's not a bunch of code and it's not just data that you will be staring at. You will be looking at a high fidelity digital mockup of what you will see in the real world. So uh, just to give you a very simple example, in the manufacturing space let's say you're designing a factory that's going to produce uh, some of the the components that are going to be used in this building for example right yeah you can design the actual factory design and layout of that facility virtually before you ever set foot of any equipment in that space so how will the systems work this is i'm talking a, a video essentially that can that will look exactly like your real facility, where will the robots right. go? Where gotcha. will this production line move? Uh, what about the AGVs, the automated guided vehicles? How are these co- going to interact with the with the delivery of products in the, what is the flow? Uh, so as a TV human, I, I can
0: see a TV picture, I can Virtually, see like a video of, of it. Yeah, you can see it visually. How do you prove that this is right? Because this is the killer thing, isn't it? And I always say, you know, there's the human factor, right? You could design something and it all looks great. How do you know that what you're designing digitally will be copied when you build the thing physically?
1: Sure. So the way I would say is you can actually model the human simulation as well. You can actually model the ergonomics. You can model the workstation. You can model the movement. You can model the flow. You can actually model all of that as well and integrate
0: it. you model people having their... tea breaks <laughs> they're busy having a cup of tea Raj you're going to model that in I like it
1: we can we can model that in terms of schedule so we have very powerful tools uh, on scheduling as well and and yeah absolutely if you want to schedule the tea breaks to get to maximum uh, optimization and efficiency you can even model that
0: where is this going to to help us then so if we look at it obviously there's a cost to build these things there's also an environmental cost. We'll talk about that in a second. But you know, you got you guys have got servers. There's you know nothing's for free in terms of emissions. But but once you're starting to do these things, how long does it take? And and what does the client get at the end? And they go, okay, I've tested this. You say, right, we've tested it. Here's what it is. And then are they saving a lot of energy and time and emissions? Because you can go right. You can scrap all this. You can try all these things. You can move that ball there and all that and now you build it now. And what I've saved you is X, Y, and Z.
1: So that's a great, great question, uh, Sumit. And I'll I'll, I'll substantiate with some tangible examples. So through our virtual twin experience, we have helped companies get a 60% increase in aircraft production, 20% lead time reduction, uh, 50% uh, reduction in time to market, 58 uh, percent uh, reduction in production cycle time so there's very tangible benefits and they go on into planned inventory reduction reduction of errors and waste scrap reduction, etc and there's many examples that we can even share with you after the post- podcast but what i wanted to focus on is what do some of these examples mean so every generation of aircraft every generation of power plant for example has generally a sort of 10 to 20% gain in efficiency in terms of a fuel PPK per passenger kilometre. When you add this to the virtual twin benefits that I've just described in productivity, cost and sustainability, you're looking at a very significant saving across the life cycle of that aircraft or that model. And Sumit, this is not just for the aerospace and defence industry. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, we serve uh, 12 verticals. And I want to get a, pick an example from our CPG industry, the consumer packaged goods area, where we are working with a company called Amcor, who has set a goal to have a circular ecosystem by 2025. And we're helping them develop their packaging with more recyclability, more reuse. And a technology have, has helped them develop the prototype packaging design within the virtual environment that led to a reduction in weight of their bottles from 35 to 50% while reducing the demand for pet raisin by more than 50,000 tons a year. So there's many of these tangible examples across other industries as well. And some of the aerospace and defense ones I already covered at the beginning of this podcast.
0: It sounds, don't take the wrong way, Roger. it sounds too good to be true that, you know, you're talking about 60% saving. I mean, it's incredible. Is this something you think that will really, you know, affect the way we, we try and transition to net zero, this idea of Building these these twins, uh, and also you, you you touched on one other thing which I'd like to pick up on was how do you model the circularity? How do you model the life cycle of the plane and what will happen to it at the end and all of that? Because that's a really interesting one. People are talking about we're talking about the innovation we're having there with electric vehicles, for example, and everyone's worrying what do you do with the battery? How do you get rid of it? What are you going to do with the components? So, t- two points on that that the, the, I think I'd like you, if you can, to to cover off.
1: Firstly, before the white paper with Roland Berger, ADS, and us at DASA Systems, uh, we also did a joint paper uh, between DASA Systems and Accenture, which led to one of the topics being designing disruption with the virtual twin. It was highlighted that early design decisions can be linked to 80% of a product's environmental impact. And the reason I mentioned this, as we've, uh, we've talked about the virtual twin, allowing teams of cross functionality to collaborate quickly and easily. We talked about simulating the consumer behavior, the design, engineering, production, supply chain and environments in real time. We talked about reducing waste, making cost-saving accelerating type to market. But to answer your question, what this really highlights is that new opportunity of sustainability and design of the circular economy, and you don't need to sacrifice success for sustainability. So how would we do that? So the virtual twin data, supports in service, it supports the maintenance, but also we announce our chief sustainability officer recently announced a tool uh, that's been developed for life cycle assessment, it's called the LCA. And the aim of the LCA is for our customers to be able to use a quantitative method to assess emissions to land, air and water from labor, energy, materials and usage at all stages of a product's life cycle. And to answer your final question, how are we doing it? It goes without saying that we are using our technology to meet our own sustainability commitments. We're partnering to to understand the full impact of the development and the opportunity in the usage of our own software to meet the net zero of our own operations by 2040.
0: So you're you're using your own technology to cut your scope one and two, basically. You're you're modeling what your business will. This is like a. This is this is turning into Inception, a dream within a dream. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so and you can we can model you're modelling your own that. modelling. Yes, we're using our own software, and we absolutely uh, have announced that we are planning to meet net zero of our operations by 2040. Uh, yep. And obviously, we've announced the life cycle assessment tool that I've just talked about, which I think is, it can be a, a key differentiator for everyone listening to this bo-
0: podcast. Where can this go? Let's say uh, all of this, I believe, and I'm not doubting you, I'm just, I'm just saying, right, I get this. Okay, this is great. Now, is this twin phenomenon, this digitization, which is really the, the heart of this podcast, digitizing to try and get to net zero? Could we see this? To be the way we do other industries. And you touched up on them, but building houses, schools, working out where we should put solar panels, where we, where we should build our, our wind turbines. But also, the question is is this really a solution for, for future things? It's not really something we can use for things we've already built, or can we? I don't know, there's a retrofit way of, of, of modeling, but I can see this working if you're going to build something new, you model it. But you can't really or, or can you model things where you go, actually we need to bring this thing up and it's you know very leaky and it's not great and it's got it's not functioning well we we can do a model of how if we put a certain retrofit, we can bring it up to scale.
1: Yes, so I think there's there's two parts there, uh, Samit. You touched first on the uh, where is this going for aerospace and aviation yeah. and then the other industry. so I'll just split yeah. that into two parts. So for the first part, there are significant barriers that aerospace is facing given the challenge of getting to net zero or true zero. So just to highlight some of them, uh, aircraft, engine redesign, hydrogen storage, sustainable production of hydrogen, infrastructure costs, et cetera. So we know the challenges.
0: Yeah. The yeah there's the, stories we cover all the time. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, so, so the way I would see where this is going in terms of the, the aerospace sector to, to begin with, is to split that into three parts. First, let's just talk about smaller aircraft with shorter ranges. So they will likely become all electric uh, because battery density expected to achieve the minimum thresholds can cater for some of these missions. The second part, let's talk about larger long haul aircraft and they will have to rely on sustainable aviation fuels because all electric, hybrid electric or hydrogen solutions will face uh, power density challenges because of the, the weight and the range that they need to serve. And then in, the, in between these two, we've got the third category, the regional and narrow-body middle-of-market aircraft, and that will be likely likely the back battleground where hydrogen will compete against hybrid electric. So, so that's where I, I would see in terms of the aerospace, you know, technology development. Now, let's yeah. talk about other industries and. I really like an example that you you were talking about Uh, you know you said what happens to the areas we live what happens to existing infrastructure and to that i would i would just that's a big one for for all
0: the urban planners they're all looking at that sort of stuff right now yeah
1: so so again dasa systems is one of the leaders in the smart city development um and you know collaborating beyond disciplinary silos driving digital transformation in territorial in urban projects to become more sustainable more resilient to become more more resource um you know optimized and one example where we've done this very tangibly is virtual singapore where the our software has been used to develop the the virtual twin of the city of singapore and i and i and we can share some information with you on that and i highly recommend for you to go through it and even share share it with your readers i, I think it makes for some really interesting and futuristic reading
0: I'm just stunned about that. Have you, have you, have you modeled the, the Raffles Hotel in there, Arjun? Uh,
1: I will have to check exactly if, if that <laughs> building has been modeled or not, but I'm sure we, 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 will, uh, we can give you an update.
0: Um, and the Singapore uh, sling. No, no, I'm being facetious, but you've you've touched on a lot of this stuff, which is great, but where where is this going? Is this the future of how you see us saving emissions in many industries? And it doesn't matter what it is, the the, the way of creating these models, Will, will make a difference
1: yes so from an aerospace perspective i do believe uh, that will you know we and the wider industry is reshaping uh, aviation's image uh, and i do believe aircraft profiles may soon look unfamiliar with innovative new concepts coming in such as blended wing bodies transonic truss brace wings uh, and these kinds of development will make conventional aircraft you know look outdated compared to the future aircraft, which will stand out not only visually, but from a sustainability perspective, too. And then we also have these new propulsion systems coming in. We've already talked about electric hybrid, uh, and, you know, we've talked about hydrogen. But this represents the biggest shift in aviation technology since the original jet engine from Frank Whittle. I mean, there's some absolutely disruptive innovation coming in. I think there's some really exciting times, uh, you know, for, for the industry ahead
0: environmentalists would say that we should just fly less, right? And there is a fair point to that, you know, the way that Zoom's works and all of these things, you can see that we can do lots of meetings now with people that are across the world and we can have it. But there is still an element of of flying that that people find obligatory needs to be done. Where do you sit on that? Because that's a tricky one, isn't it? Because someone said this is all great, Raj, and all these things, but what we should be doing is doing less of this and trying to cut back and, and saving. Even one flight, even however sustainable it can be, it will still produce emissions of some sort. Where's your answer to that?
1: So, so there's a couple of a uh, couple of points there, summit. That the first one is I, I touched on some of the levers we looked at as part of the white paper. But the other thing we looked at, summit, as part of the white paper between Dassault Systems, ADS, and Roller-Berger, was these decarbonization roadmaps. And the reason I'm I'm, I'm bringing this in is we looked at what the art of the probable. Roadmaps would would mean what would that lead to? You know, flattening of net CO2 by 2040. What does that look like? And we looked at more realistic roadmaps, which which talked about getting to about a 20% net zero relative to 2019 levels. And this is all without uh, the equation of what you mentioned around the the supply and demand of uh, of you know flight. Uh, without the impact of of the actual what the economic significance would be if people started flying less. uh, You know what happens to GDP, etc. That's a very complex conversation, but just looking at the roadmaps and looking at what the art of the possible roadmaps could do. Even then, we have a long way to go. So in my very simple, simple view, I don't believe that just flying less is going to be the answer or it should be the answer, because it has many different connotations attached to it in terms of trade, in terms of GDP, in terms of economics, etc. Yeah,
0: no, I get that. But <laughs> but there is always an argument that, you know, it should be reduced in a way the same as reduce your car so, Yeah, Even if you're going by an EV, if you can do it another way, we should do it.
1: Um, and, and there uh, needs to be a balance between commercial viability and technological capability and, you know, that's a critical balance to, to, to find.
0: What would you be doing yourselves as a company to clean up your, you talked about your commitment for 2040, but obviously as you're doing all of this, I assume you're trying to cut down on your own emissions that you're producing to, to create these virtual worlds.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it, our, our targets are, you know, have been, have been announced. Um, you know, the public inf- information. Uh, our CEO, Bernard Chales, is very committed to this journey. And within Euronorth, which is the geo that that I sit, sit in with with our MD John Kitchingman, um, we've established ourselves as leaders in business sustainability because we look after the UK, we look after the Benelux, including the you know, Netherlands, and we look after the Nordics as well. And across all of the parts of of DASO systems, you know, we're very focused on sustainability and making sure that, you know, we absolutely walk the talk when it comes to sustainability in all the areas that we work in and all the countries that we work in. But talking specifically about how do we decarbonize and virtualize the future of aviation, again, I would highly recommend uh, you to refer to page 13 of the white paper. We cover off things like multi scale physical models, we talked about systemic compatibility, value chain management, uh, you know, safety criticality. And we've even uh, included some of our customers like Vertical Aerospace, who've been very kind to um, to provide some, some quotes for this report, uh, including uh, also the um, the forward, uh, which we, we received from the AMRC, Professor Rab Scott, Director of Industrial Digitalization. So we brought all the industry partners in, in terms of uh, what we are doing and what the wide industry is doing in this space.
0: I find it fascinating. Uh, it's it's all a bit scary to me, but it's it's a fascinating world of of these digital uh, twins. I've really enjoyed this conversation, Raj. So thank you very much for explaining it. And, yeah, and of course,
1: Summit, I feel that uh, you know, I feel that there's, there's a question um, that I just want to build on. I think you you specifically asked, you know, what are we doing in this space? So yeah, I just want to pick on you know a couple of examples. So. For example, prototype testing, you know, you could with the simulation advances in 3D designs, we can model real life scenarios. The certification, which we talked at the beginning of the podcast, you know, we've got end-to-end visibility, you have traceability that supports the certification lifecycle infrastructure optimization is another area uh, that we're looking at you know storage facilities deliveries uh, integrated platforms and finally decommissioning and recycling you know uh, re- recycling reuse is a big part of that circular economy so cool. you know we're supporting we're supporting that you know that part of the aircraft decommissioning and recycling because it's a multidisciplinary process you know there's environmental operational safety economic yeah. aspects so we're looking at all of those as well
0: so just before you go raj will you will you future simulate so we don't have to queue at the airport <laughs> I will share that
1: recommendation <laughs> with the aerospace and industry team.
0: Do <laughs> tell them that. That's what we want. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh Raj Singh from Desalt Systems, thank you so much for joining us on the Net Hero podcast today. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Interesting stuff there. And you know what? It's one of those things we've got to look at because I do think we should cut back flying where we don't need it. And there are places for us to use things like Zoom and you know, teams and etc but at the end of the day you know flying does also have another side which is helping economies around the world let's just make it cleaner and if we can do modeling to cut down waste then i think that's a good idea uh just before we go i just want to go through a couple of things that i've caught my eye this week obviously i mean there's not a week that goes by where we don't talk about the potential for the price rises and what's going on so we've now had Latest figures saying we're looking at around about £4,000 maybe uh, when uh, when we face our bills next year. Um, we'll know more by the 26th, I think, of August when we will have the actual figure for the price cap uh, this year. So definitely one to watch out for. But it shows even more the importance of us reducing and cutting back. There's a drought on officially there's a drought on. So, you know, I've done it and I hope you're doing it. Just use your water less, you know. How long are you in the shower? How long you you use the water when you're using, you know, brushing your teeth, that sort of stuff. These things sound very trivial, but they matter and they can be done very easily. And I think there's a a lot of things we've got to look at in the water industry, which maybe we'll cover in a subsequent podcast, because I think there's some big issues there about how much we're wasting our water uh, through leaks um another interesting story that caught my eye is about it systems crashing and you'll be able to read this one on uh, our sites on both each, uh, future and zero and energy Lab news guys in thomas's hospitals uh, in the last heat wave and i know we've got hot weather now had a real problem because their it systems crashed and that left it very difficult for them to get to patient records. So it's one of those things that's really quite worrying, the unexpected and unintended consequences from all this, because you know, IT is pretty much how we run ourselves now. So this is the sort of stuff that we've got to be very careful about uh, as it works. Finally, we've got a lot of stuff coming out of Europe right now about how it's going to reduce gas consumption now it's very difficult for us to sit here when the sun is shining to worry about winter but we're going to have to face it. it's going to be a tough winter so as of this week uh, the eu has a mandatory well i say mandatory it's it's a mandatory call for voluntary action which you can explain that to me to cut consumption in eu countries by 15 percent and that is massive so I will expect us to hear more stories in the coming days of countries following the lead of Germany, where maybe public buildings shut down or there's no hot water where they're trying to reduce things. But it's a, it's a worrying time in terms of where we are. But remember, remember this, throughout all of this, there are things that we can do. And the most important thing we can do is to use less, to waste less. From Everything from you know, shopping for some food, which is pretty expensive right now, to, you know, using your energy right now, you may be using water a lot more. You might be trying to use a bit in terms of if you're lucky enough to have things like AC, you might be using cooling a bit. Just think about how much you need. And that's the same with, you know, even driving your car. I had my AC on for about two minutes this morning in the car, and then I just went the windows down. I just thought, what am I doing? I don't, I don't need it. it, you know, just get, get the fresh air. So look, I'm not trying to lecture anyone, everyone's got to deal with what they've got to deal with, but I think things are gonna get a bit tougher, so we need to make sure we are across to things. Uh, before I go, plenty of great content on FutureNet Zero, lots of good stuff out there. Uh, check out the carbon column from Ellis, our head of carbon partnerships. Keep subscribing to the podcast, and make sure you're watching uh, what we're doing. We'll be bringing you some news about the Big Zero show for 2023 this week. So watch out for that on social media. Apart from that, enjoy the weekend, have a lovely time in the sunshine if you can, and I'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this Future Net Zero podcast. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.futurenetzero.com. Future Net Zero. Better business,
1: better planet.